welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Nadena, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Guillaume Abesh, uh, founder and CEO of Lemless, the first email personalization solution that automatically generates personalized images and videos uh, for email marketing campaigns. That was a mouthful. Uh, they bootstrapped it uh, from zero to $20 million in ARR in five years while documenting every step of the way. But hopefully there is still some questions that were unanswered and I'll try to ask them today. That's awesome. So, Thanks a lot for the, the invite, show. Anna. <laughs> sure, anytime. But yeah, first of all, I've got to say, like I say, it's not a Latka style kind of, you know, give me your financial information kind of podcast, but while I was researching, one article or like one interview would say 20 million error, another one would say uh, 15. And like, well, of course, like that one was, I think, in March, but it was like, did they scale it like that much in what, like five months? So what is the what is true here? <laughs> What is the current era? Yeah, so so essentially, like we actually like announce only milestones. So mm. we we have a, a way that we only announce numbers when we actually publish a, an article about it. So okay. technically, we're not even at uh, twenty million. Actually, we we are past that. So we're we're closer. If you want the the exact number, I can pull it out. But it's closer to like uh, twenty four million dollar in annual recurring revenue now. And uh, yeah, it's, essentially, it really depends. Like I'm always super transparent about the numbers. And uh, I like to have just uh, big numbers and announcement when I write articles. And during podcast, I just say the usually actual number or the last announcement I made. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you. And that's super impressive, right? Because you're because you're bootstrapped, and it's been only five years. And obviously, like I already mentioned, you've documented every step of the way. Uh, and I'm not going to ask you about background and like the the inspiration behind the company because everyone knows the story. Uh, but what I wanted to ask, because that comes up on the podcast quite often, is why you started doing this in the first place, because a lot of founders, especially bootstrapped, they're afraid to put it out there, especially, you know, like, actually, like, do what you do, build, truly build in public and like, just share everything that's going on. Um, so where did this idea come from? Okay, so basically, like uh, my first business was uh, a business I started with my dad. So I come from like a background where my parents didn't do like uh, any study. They're not entrepreneurs. They never made like a lot of money and they sacrificed a lot. So when I got to like, initially I'm an engineer, but then I went to business school because I always loved business. But for my parents, business was like the weird sales guy, pushy, like trying to sell you cars. So they didn't really want me to do so. And eventually like uh, in business school, I was like, okay, I need to make that uh, investment worth it. So I'm going to launch a business on the side and learn as I go. And because my dad is basically like, uh, he can print on like fabrics, we decided to go with t-shirts and I did probably every mistake like a founder can do. Like I, it took me like three months to design the website and build it myself. Uh, like it was just a whole mess. Like I, I asked my dad to produce like hundreds of t-shirts because I was hundred percent convinced that it would be like a hit when we launch, etc. Yeah. But actually we did like, uh, I think we made six sales or something like that. We sold six t-shirts. So it was absolute failure. And, um, after that, it was really tough because I didn't know how to grow a company. Like, um, I was just stuck trying to, I don't know, outreach people, do a few things like with influencers, et cetera, but it was never really working out. 
And um, eventually, a friend of mine told me that, hey, like, I see you grinding on this project and I'm working in B2B. And I was like, what the fuck is B2B? And he's like, business to business. So we sell stuff to other businesses. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And eventually, like, uh, he was building his lead generation agency and he taught me a lot uh, on how to do sales prospecting, how to reach out to people with cold email. And the thing we were selling was actually like we were helping company grow by booking them like uh, meetings with their potential customers. And I started like basically doing this 24 hours, like uh, every single day, like I would uh, help people all over the world, like uh, grow their businesses. And I was kind of like passionate about it. And eventually I was like, okay, I've got an agency. That's cool. Uh, it's making money. It's nice. But uh, with an agency, like if I want to scale it, it's going to, take me quite a lot of time to get to like a right. hundred customers and that's just the amount of people I'm going to be able to help. However, um, I do believe like uh, sales is all about relationship. It's all about personalization. It's all about intent. And when I was looking at the tools on the market, I felt like there were a gap. So I was like, okay, I'm an engineer initially. I want to do something that scale. Maybe it's time for me to, to launch a SaaS. And the idea for me was, uh, you know, like um, I've always want to, I guess, in a sense, I want to help the person I used to be when I launched like the business for the first time, because the reality is like, uh, I stopped talking with my dad for about like a year and a half after like uh, the business failed, because I was a bit ashamed, you know, like um, ashamed of like failing, ashamed of uh, not being able to give back, not being able to, uh, to provide also. Um, and, uh, and that was quite tough. And that's why I've been actually documenting everything because if someone, you know, is in a situation where they need to actually like uh, learn about growing a business, uh, learn about the specific and actionable way on how to do it, I'm always super happy to help out. And I wrote a book, I write like lots of articles, I produce lots of videos, a lot of content, because often I saw that people were not actually sharing like uh, the real details. And I just thought, you know what, like, uh, why not? Uh, in France, especially, you know, it's like the, our company, like the, the, it's basically like pretty international. Like uh, most of our customers are in the US. Um, but essentially in France, people are afraid to talk about money. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, no one talks about money. It's like yeah. a taboo subject, etc. And I was like, fuck it, you know, because the, the reality is, uh, until you know, someone who's done it. It feels impossible, but when something feels impossible, you basically like hold yourself back and have mm -hmm. tons of self-limiting beliefs. And my goal when I produce content is just so people look at me and say, I can do better than that guy, to be honest. And <laughs> eventually like they do better than me and I'd be super happy. So, yeah. Right. Okay. That's a cool story. And I mean, honestly, I've been following you on YouTube and LinkedIn for a while. But like when you said yes to the podcast, I'm like, okay, so that's what I'm going to do for like the next week. I'm just going to watch <laughs> all the videos. <laughs> and I really love the fact that, you know, it's not just, what is it called? Navigating chaos? I think that was oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. favorite one. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's good. You know, everyone, uh, like he, he's talking about the failures and, you know, the narrative on, on Twitter and on LinkedIn is just, oh, we raised and like we got a thousand customers and like everything is just butterflies and rainbows and it gets you anxious like even yeah. for me i'm not a founder i'm just a content creator <laughs> but you know it's like oh my god like they got so many more 
listeners or like so many more downloads and just you're just like oh maybe i'm not cut out for that but it's it's good that you shared even the failures and uh one of the scenes that actually got me was when you were talking about lem show and about mm. the guys that that helped make it happen uh like your your video guys and at the end you were talking about the fact that they left and you know it was a big failure and everyone was kind of disappointed of course that it never happened but then you gave a shout out to them and i was like oh but that's nice and i just started you know kind of analyzing everything that you're doing for the team and like empowering them to to go and be content creators to go and have their own voice because uh, for a while, because like obviously they're circulating on LinkedIn and I see a lot of their content. At first, I didn't even realize that everything was connected. I thought, mm. oh my God, they're just, you know, creating such a cool content. And then, you know, it all just got together like a puzzle. But anyway, also another question about that, right? So how did you decide that everyone in the team is going to be a voice of the company? Because you're growing super fast. And at first it kind of feels like, oh, sure, the more reach, the, the better. But then since, you know, the company grew so much, there there is more at stake. And, you know, what if what if they say something that is, you know, not correlating with the company culture anymore and, and so on? So, like, how do you avoid that kind of fear? And how did you start it in the first place? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Actually, like, um... I never really understood why people were like so scared, you know, of uh, of investing in in people in their team. Like, if someone want to leave, eventually, you know, it's like uh, they're gonna leave. But it for me, it, it's the same thing. Like, okay, I, I know we should not do like this type of comparison, but I think it's a good one. You know, it's it's like in a relationship. Like, if you start dating someone, and you're like, okay, I'm not gonna invest, you know, like all my heart, all my soul in the relationship because eventually, like, if they leave. I'm just going to be left with nothing. I think you, you do things from a place of fear and not from a place of love. And you're not going to get like any abundance out of it. And yeah. I do feel like with a, a company and your team, it's exactly the same. Like people, you know, like uh, I hire them because I want to work with them because I feel I can teach them something. And eventually in the long run, you know, like let's take the worst case scenario and like the worst case scenario in people's mind, because in my mind, it's not such a worst case. But it has happened where I've trained people to build like super strong personal brand. They become like an international expert on a specific topic. And they learn that really like from me, me spending time, like rewriting their content, helping them out, etc. And eventually they left. But is that an issue? Not really, you know, because for them first, they know where they come from. And eventually, you know, like when they get to that stage of launching their own business, growing like a multi-million dollar startups, they are part, you know, of the Empire family overall. And, and for me, it's exactly the same as like PayPal, when you have PayPal and, you know, like the, the, the former employees are building like something great. It's mm -hmm. always like shine back on PayPal. And, and for me, it's exactly the same, you know, like eventually people, when they look at your profile and they see where you worked. Uh, you know, it's it's also like a good traffic for what we do and good awareness. So I never really saw it as a threat and I think I'll never do, even though like I feel like that there are obviously like if I want to be entirely honest, there are always like some drawbacks when you really help people like building their personal brand because 
eventually and it happens to me also you know like when everyone's telling you that like your content is shit etc etc which was kind of the case at the beginning when i got started because i was i was not good at it you feel bad and eventually when everyone's telling you like how great you are etc like mm -hmm. sometimes your ego can just become way too big And I think it's like uh, super important to have the right balance. And whenever, you know, like some people in the team sometimes have like, uh, they, they started with content that was not performing. Eventually it got better. We trained them, et cetera, and reached like big audience. You really want to manage egos. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's just honest conversation to have with the team. You know, it's like, uh, yes, this is social media. Yes, you can optimize everything you do for rich. Do we really track conversion? Can we make it like better so we bring more value to people and drive also like traffic to the website? And is this affecting your ego and your relationship with the company? But in full transparency, I love communication. I think it's super important to be like uh, highly transparent. I know the impact on social media can, what impact can have, you know, on, on like, how do you perceive yourself? Like uh, the ego boost it can give you, or sometimes like the feeling of being just drained, etc. So, mm -hmm. so for me, it's fine because I've been there and, you know, I can like uh, balance it a lot and I can also like discuss it with the team, like in a, in a fully, like a just open way. And the, the way we started it actually is I created a program called uh, Lemtastic. So it's, it was a whole program to essentially like uh, build your own personal brand and to apply to it. Basically, my promise was it's an investment that you will never regret because you're investing in yourself. And I'm going to teach you everything I know on how to build a personal brand. So eventually, like uh, you're going to get better at your job because every time you document something, I think you learn a lot more about it because let's say I'm super specific example i'm a i'm a sales rep um and i'm launching like a cold email campaigns now i want to give cold email tips i want to be like super specific so i'm going to give example just the fact that you need to be specific about what does a good cold email look like and that you need to give example and that you're going to do it publicly i can assure you that you're going to do enough research enough testing enough like uh, different approaches to see what's working best So you can share actual content that works out with your audience because otherwise you're going to feel ashamed of it. And for me, like teaching is about basically crystallization of your knowledge. And the more you write, the more you teach and the clearer your ideas and thoughts are. And for me, that was like um, one of the key growth factor, I think, as a CEO, you know, in the last like five and a half years was really like to document everything. And when... I could lead by example, by saying, you know what, like the reason I'm at the level I'm at today, and obviously like the road is still long ahead. I have like tons of things to learn, tons of places to get better, but the road I took was through like content creation and I can help you do the same. And I created this entire program when I was like, uh, essentially like coaching the team. I would do like, uh, every, every 15 days, like, uh, about like 30 minutes to an hour with every single team member who wanted to do it. Um, and I did it for about, I think the program is, uh, was 100 days, uh, because I wanted them to post, uh, every single day for a hundred day, just because like, uh, it's the best way to, you know, like, uh, you just flush everything you have out of your head and you're forced to publish. Uh, so you get direct yeah. feedback from the audience. And, and I think the more reps you do, the better you get at it. And eventually after you can obviously like decrease after the hundred days, but 
I, I just gamify kind of uh, this within the company and, uh, and people really enjoyed it. And after that, we decided to, uh, to launch like uh, publicly to the world, uh, the, the personal branding masterclass, which is free, yeah. uh, where we essentially like taught to people exactly like uh, what, we, what we were doing like uh, inside the company. Right. And after 100 days, it's, uh, I guess it's just hard to stop. Like I never did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was like, oh, a, a little trick. Uh, I... <laughs> right? Like, oh, like I didn't post today. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> I should definitely uh, do something about it. Awesome. All right. Um, well, we don't have much time, but I have so many questions. And obviously, because we, uh, well, we got introduced by Tom from Tapia, uh, I really wanted to, to know a bit more about the acquisition of Twithunter and Tapia. Uh, because it was a it was a great story. Uh, we can maybe give it a minute to like circle back. Uh, I really loved reading about it, and then uh, we did a, a podcast with Tom as well. So, how does it work? How did you uh, decide to do it in the first place? Like, is it going to be your kind of long term strategy now to acquire smaller smaller brands to kind of integrate them into Lempire? By the way, love love the name, very ambitious. And uh, or like, what was it? Was it like a test? To see, like if if that is going to help uh, with reach or whatever the idea was. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Yeah, I think like uh, overall, the, the goal of the company is to really help people and businesses grow. Um, and to do so, we want to build like the, the best software like uh, for it. And if we see an opportunity to acquire like uh, a SaaS business that fits in our ecosystem, we will mm -hmm. do it. Um, I believe like uh, that sales is, uh, is really like dramatically changing. Um, and the reason why I believe so is um, we're seeing like a lot more creators out there. We're seeing a lot more people creating content. And the reality in business is people want to overcomplicate things. But for me, business is all about trust. So if you look at uh, any B2B software company, basically what you're selling is you're either like making more money to people or you're helping them save time. So it's like either like productivity or money. If tomorrow I tell you like, uh, hey, Hannah, like uh, if you give me like $10 today uh, in a week, I can give you $100 back. Uh, Technically, like you're going to say yes, if you trust me, but if you don't trust me, you will probably say no. And when I look at trust for me, it comes down to basically like three factors. One, it's uh, the emo emotional connection. So for people listening or seeing us, maybe they're going to say, oh, you know, like uh, they look kind, they look like friendly, or maybe they're going to say, oh, they look like jerks. I really hate them and they're the worst people on earth. Um, then you have like the reliability. 
if I make a promise, if I tell you like, okay, in a week, I'm giving you $100 back, like, uh, am I, you know, like, uh, holding my word? And finally, it's credibility. So if you see me like uh, with Beyonce on the street and we're just having a casual chat, you're going to say, oh, gee, he's got some moves, like uh, he knows people, like, etc. <laughs> and eventually, you know, like uh, I think like I'm trying to build a business to help mm -hmm. people like build more trust and building personal brand made a lot of sense. And both Taplio and Twitter allow you to like to build your personal brand on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And I was also like a heavy user of both. So I was like, for me, it makes a lot of sense to link this content creation part with the outreach part. Mm. Uh, it's not like uh, totally like the vision I have for the company is not like uh, um, yet done, obviously, on that end, because I want tools to be like a lot more connected, but it's uh, it's getting there. And the idea, yeah, it's um, I want to continue growing, whether it's like uh, external acquisition or uh, or just with in-house product, but uh, for for Taplio, it was uh, Taplio and Twitter. It was very opportunistic because uh, essentially, like you know, we were mentioning about the importance of uh, of writing content, yeah. and Thibaut actually reached out to me uh, 15 years after um, you know, like uh, we were in middle school together, and and we we basically like stopped talking after middle school, and 15 years later, I received like a, a tweet, oh, well, and the guy is asking me like, hey. Are you the same? Like, uh, so it was quite funny. We had a chat and I, I helped him with uh, his business ideas, etc. And eventually, like, they launched Twitter and Tertaplio. And at some point, he had, like, uh, some people offering, like, uh, some, uh, some sales offer. And because I had documented the process of how I sold, like, uh, Lampod, another project we, mm -hmm. we launched, he wanted to get my feedback. And he shared with me the offer. And, at like, it was at lunch. And I think I, I said, like, joking, for that price, I think I would acquire your company too. And we started laughing together. And then he messaged me at like 2 a.m. Uh, and he said like, uh, are you serious? Like, I can't sleep. Uh, and I oh, must wow. ask, were you yeah. serious about the offer? And then I told him, okay, like, give me 24 hours and I'll get back to you. <laughs> and then I made an offer and eventually like uh, the deal happened. <laughs> and they, they became both a millionaire, which is, which is cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not, not a bad <laughs> outcome. <laughs> Of, of lunch yeah so right uh mm. building relationships with um uh, with people and like looking around um is is a great way to be possibly acquired by a great company uh but uh since you started talking about you know the um the sale of lempod and then uh the buy of taplio and twit hunter and then potentially acquiring more companies um, how does it work for you? Like how is, and obviously like with, with, uh, the guys, Tibo and Tom, it was a lot easier, uh, apparently because, well, you had this relationship and trust, uh, already there. Uh, how was the sale of Lempot? How did it go for you? And also I wanted to ask later about, um, the way you sold, was it 20% of the company? Uh, like what yeah. was the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we the did secondary <laughs> right what was the thought behind uh, that yeah. because you're, you're growing fairly great without external investment yeah. like why did you decide to do it yeah it's uh, okay so two questions first, first yeah. thing about like Lampod um, at, the at that time I think it was uh... <laughs> no no worries <laughs> at that time to be honest like uh, for, for Lampod it was a project that was growing like really really fast 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was like basically like LinkedIn automation pods, etc. So the, the project was fun when I created it because it was uh, initially just like a side project. Uh, but eventually it grew a bit like out of control. Like LinkedIn was like extremely pissed about it. Uh, and I understood why, like we, we kind of like ruined the platform with, uh, engagement pods, like some people with like really shitty content were getting like a lot of likes and these people were yeah. actually like, uh, our best paying customers. So you're like, what the fuck have I created? Like I created a monster and, yeah. um, and eventually, you know, like, uh, at that time I did not know how to hire people. I did not know how to manage. So I was like, shit, I've got too many projects. And for me at the time, I think I was like, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I mean, I'm still young, but I was, okay, what should I do? And, uh, and it felt like selling a project that was growing was a good idea. Uh, and you know, like, uh, <laughs> you learn a lot from, from past mistakes, but my, my idea was like, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to have someone, you know, like I'm going to only sell it to someone who agrees to do like, uh, uh, add like uh, moderators so people who could uh, mm. basically like uh, flag people who are like pushing the system abusing the system and etc and eventually like uh, i realized that everything you say during the sale that is not on a contract like uh, written like uh, specifically uh, will not happen <laughs> so yeah. so i sold the company um, i think it was uh, it was good pr move in a sense where i could uh, start saying you know like uh, exited SaaS founder, <laughs> which I think was, you know, I, I thought it was the coolest move back then, but right now I'm like, yeah, it's uh, it was just like a, an ego boost and it was really useless, <laughs> but you, you learn along the way. And, um, and eventually, yeah, it was just, uh, just, I think a good way to understand the whole process. And in the end, I don't regret it because if I had not sold Lampod and wrote that article, I would have not acquired like Taplio and Twitter. And I think like that was a, a really good move for us. So overall, like I'm happy about it, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was not like the, the smartest move and it was not such, I, w- I wasn't, there were no like, uh, emotional attachment to that project, to be honest. Um, so for me, I think it was, uh, it was overall a, a good idea. And then when it comes to, uh, selling shares of, uh, of our company, um, it's, it's actually like something I had never heard of, uh, before we, we did it. So, um, it, it all started when we said no to like a really big fundraising offer uh, mm-hmm. of $20 million um, that we did like publicly. So I basically like um, my goal was to show the light on bootstrap company because back then it was really the, as you said, you know, like uh, on LinkedIn and on TechCrunch and all this type of thing, you only saw uh, articles about like uh, VC backed companies. And sometimes I was just like, um, I was just, you know, like thinking that this is a bit crazy because you have people raising like hundreds of millions and then a year later, they bankrupt. Uh, mm-hmm. You see that their founder, you know, who were on the cover of Forbes are actually like uh, crooks and criminals. And that's kind of like the media. And, and I was like, there are tons of people who are creating super healthy businesses uh, with no money and we never talk about them. And the reality is uh, I come from... Uh, like very middle-class family. Uh, my grandparents were farmers, etc. So for me, I know a lot of people don't start their company and don't start their startup just because they believe that to start a company, you need a lot of resources. In the end, I started Lemlist with 1000 bucks, but to do so, I had to kind of like, uh, remove a lot of self-limiting beliefs I had. And I just thought, you know, like, um, if we can say publicly that we're going to raise money 
we do the entire process. So we show like the insider's view. And eventually, if we get an offer, we're going to say no, just to show that you can bootstrap a company. <laughs> so that, that's what we did. It got like huge PR cover in France. It was like pretty big. Um, and eventually, like one guy actually made us an offer where he offered us like 15 million in cash for the company and 15 million dollars in cash out. And I was mm -hmm. like, what the fuck is cash out? <laughs> and then it's like, well, but you get the cash for yourself. And then I was like, is this actually possible? <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. Of course. And then that I was like, oh, good. fuck. So, yeah, but I said no still because I had my plan and I didn't want to like move for my plan. So I said no to that offer. But a bit later, I got like uh, back in touch with them. And then they said like, uh, hey, we could also do like 100% uh, secondary, which means that the cash will go directly to your pocket 100%. And that way you stay also like bootstrapped in a way that you didn't injected money in the company. Mm. And I'm like, okay, like I'm good with it. Uh, and for me, it was also like, uh, you know, I think like money is, uh, is very like uh, psychological in a sense that um, when, when, you, when, you, when you are working on a project and you know 100% that your family like uh, can retire that you have enough money because I'm not like a, a big spender, you know, I'm not going to go like uh, in nightclubs and just like take tables with like tons of like, I don't know, like that's, that's not my style. I'm pretty like no, chill no guy, Ferrari normal guy. Like, after, like, after a cash yeah, no Ferrari, <laughs> like I ride a bike, you know, like uh, I like, uh, I like hiking. So I go sometimes with my tent, like it's very like cheap holidays, but I like nature, these kind of things. Um, I like good architecture. So I like like nice houses and everything, but yeah. In any way, like I'm not a big spender. So I was like, okay, I can get $10 million uh, right now, still own like uh, the vast majority of the company. And at the same time, like uh, retire, like uh, my family, help my parents, etc., And just uh, for everyone to be like super safe and never think of money ever again. So I was like, okay, let's do this, you know, because it has like the, the best of both worlds in a sense that you continue running a company you love except that now you have like a financial net, which means that some people would say that you actually are like, uh, like uh, you, you don't want to work anymore because you have like so, such yeah. financial freedom, etc. But actually for me, it's the opposite because uh, I'm passionate about the project. I'm passionate about my mission. So eventually for me, it just gives me like uh, more ambition and uh, a willingness to take risk that is actually like bigger and eventually it pays off. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really believe in the whole like, oh, uh, like an artist should be always hungry. No, I like, no, yeah. <laughs> this, this, who said that? I mean, who, who made us all believe in that? Like you have the safety net and you have the financial situation that makes you very comfortable. It doesn't mean that you're just going to go to the beach and spend the rest of your time there uh, because, well, for some, it's just not an option because, well, it's boring. Uh, so, uh, completely understand the you know the the, the mindset, but uh, yeah, okay, uh, that's uh, that, that's brilliant, and I think it's it's a great way to yeah to still be growing the company that you love. And I know that the goal is uh, well, there are two right, and one of the videos that uh, that you had, there are two goals uh, or like two potential goals. One is reach anywhere between eighty and hundred and sell for a yeah. hundred and then go IPO, right? So what's more favorable yeah. for you? IPO is more of an ego boost or <laughs> or you want to sell it? Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's actually like a, a good question. 
along the years, I've learned that uh, actually you you also have like tons of opportunities along the way. Um, another opportunity that um, I'm also thinking of, depending on what we do, but maybe eventually I'll just like uh, buy out uh, the the investors, the one who, who took like twenty mm-hmm. percent. Um, the reality is like we're highly profitable, so we'll end up the year I think at around like uh, eight million dollar in uh, in EBITDA. Um, so that gives us also a lot of leverage uh, to take loans and do like a lot of different things. IPO, I agree 100% with you. I think it's an ego boost to go and ring the bell. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like uh, I think it, it looks good uh, on camera, but I think like um, public markets are definitely not for me. I don't know how to like not say the truth. I don't know how like not to be transparent. I yeah, I'm really bad. I'm really bad at lying. I'm really bad at. Uh, hiding when I'm uh, unhappy. I'm uh, Mediterranean initially, so I've got a bit of a hot blood. Uh, and I think this is uh, this is definitely like uh, not not for me. Um, exiting the company and selling it eventually, like uh, that's, um, that's also a possibility down the line. The reason why I want to do it, or maybe like more secondary, is um, I want like everyone who works on a project uh, and contributed in a way uh, that I consider uh, founder-like, so you know, whenever you have startups like employees okay. in startups that are just like giving their best, doing the extra mile, I think like uh, it's cool to to give them a reward. And uh, the most important goal is not so much the exit, but uh, if I could turn like uh, all our team into millionaires, that would be like a, a cool achievement. That's more of an ego boost than an IPO. <laughs> yeah, giving so many yeah. people freedom to retire, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I like that. I like that better. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right, and uh, yeah, go, going back to uh, to your content because I, I think it's it's a pretty great strategy that you have there. Um, you recently have started doing, I guess, more, uh, and uh, I saw that that now you're very active on Instagram as well. Is something happening? Are you going to launch a product for Instagram? Uh, I like the way you smile right now. Did they hit the spot there? <laughs> um, so, what's happening with Instagram? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's a uh, it's a good question. Actually, like uh, my role, my role is kind of like changing. Um, mm-hmm. As uh, as I think my role has been changing every six months since I started the company, but uh, but now I'm finally like the the talent density in the team has increased like a lot, and um, I managed to hire like. Uh, Two highly talented C-level, uh, my CEO Charles and uh, Orian, who's uh, our chief of staff. And the goal of that is for me to be a bit less in the day-to-day, so mm-hmm. I have more time on the audience building uh, kind of like part. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why is uh, I I have like really um, like this intimate conviction and feeling that everything we've done and everything we documented is really like the the clearest and sharpest path to like success when growing a company. And if you look at how many SaaS I have and I'm growing uh, and how many are doing like more than 1 million in annual recurring revenue, it's, I have like some sort of playbook that I know that works mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people are struggling. So my goal is to create like really the, the biggest audience possible and providing like uh, content like for free. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. want to sell like master classes, uh, even though like I might do it eventually just because like uh, as a test to see if whenever I sell master classes, people are more involved or 
whether or not like it's it's still like a, a, an internal debate but overall i want content to be free because uh, i like when uh, when people can just you know like uh, access something and and get value out of it and uh, eventually like my role is uh, just to teach people how to grow businesses and, and i think like uh, it's something i just love doing because i love to take like complex topics and try to break them down into like simple things um, and this is really like my passion so um, I want to focus on what I love and uh, what I'm, uh, I think, good at. I'm not sure. Not. <laughs> we'll... You're not answering my question. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not gonna. I'm not building a product on Instagram. If that's a, that's okay. a question, uh, okay. but I just want to grow my audience on like various platforms because on Instagram I'm attracting different people than on LinkedIn. Same on TikTok, I'm attracting different people. So so the goal is like to have a global audience and just try to put people into places where they can kind of like learn and uh, yeah, discover awesome. new things. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, going back to content a little bit, and uh, just because it got super pumped about uh, Lem Show when I was watching the uh, Navigating Chaos uh, series, are you planning to do something with it eventually? Like, I don't know, release a couple of series, like just uh, tell whatever story there is that uh you know you've already shot um what's your plan there yeah it's uh it's it's something like uh no it, emotionally speaking it was like uh, really tough uh <laughs> i could give you like more insights uh of uh of recording of the record. <laughs> uh, but uh sure. of the record yeah like when when we when we stopped the the recording but uh but no overall i think like lem show will uh Will never never be released uh, but uh yeah it's uh it's still something that's that's a bit sad yeah yeah <laughs> that's true no there, there i mean there are many questions about it and around it um i'm not going to maybe ask them uh on the show uh because they, they could be very emotional but uh yeah okay so uh, i just got a couple more questions um the usual ones on toss and bound First one is, and yeah, there on Navigating Chaos, you said that Lem Show is the biggest failure, uh, but maybe, maybe not. Um, what's so far the biggest win and the biggest failure? Or biggest challenge, I don't know, maybe not a failure. The biggest challenge we had as a company, like uh, from the start? Mm -hmm. Or maybe for you as a founder, because, <laughs> well, uh, oh. you're pushing yourself putting yourself out there. You said you're an introvert. I have very hard time believing that. I mean, talking to you right now. Uh, so <laughs> how is that going? Yeah, we're, we're, behind, so we're behind the screen. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, what's the biggest one? No, I, I think I think the toughest part, to be honest, is um, is like uh, holding like the, the really like long term game. Because the reality is like, no matter what company you do, I think the, the effort it takes to put it out of the ground is the same. So for example, like uh, if you, I, I've got friends who open restaurants and they really work their asses off, like, and they work exactly the same as when I was working on my startup, like uh, in the early days. But the reality is like uh, a restaurant will be able to like give you I think just a, a specific outcome and a SaaS mm -hmm. is maybe like uh, 1 billion times like uh, higher <laughs> in, in some cases. So, yeah. so the reality is like uh, what you work on is always more important than 
how hard you work on something. And I think the challenge for me, you know, as a, as a CEO is just to balance uh, with time the, the, the change of roles, uh, the, the, the mindset, the energy, the, the vibe you give to the team, the, the ambition, the passion, uh, repeating the same thing, you know, like over and over again, because your role is to repeat the same thing, you know, yeah. and the reality is like for me personally, like, uh, I have like uh, a lot of, I love to learn. Uh, and, and the reason I love to document thing is not because I want to build like the biggest audience possible. It's, it's just because like, I know that when I document, I learn faster yeah. and that's what I love the most. It's not so much that I love to teach. It's more than I love to learn. And I know that to learn a lot faster, I need to teach. So um, the, the reality is like, uh, sometimes it's a bit tough, uh, because, um, I think when you have like a, a big audience and I, I'm not like, uh, you know, in the millions, but, uh, I have like, I don't know, like a couple of hundreds of thousands of followers on uh, Instagram, uh, uh, across all social network, maybe like, uh, close to half a million, I don't know, mm -hmm. a bit less, but the reality is like, um, it can change a bit the, the view people have on, uh, on who you are. And, and that's not like, uh, I think that's not the, the most enjoyable part. Like I like to, to be like, uh, unknown, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What's the biggest win? Biggest win. Mm, I, there are many biggest win. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at celebrating wins. Uh, this is something also like, uh, that uh, I need to work on. To be honest, like I'm, every time we reach like a, a really like crazy milestone or something that felt like impossible to reach, my mind is already like to the next stage. So I'm never like uh, content, uh, which is, uh, which is uh, something I, I need to, to work on. <laughs> but the, the biggest win I would say uh, uh, is, to, is to be working with, uh, with a team I love, with a great atmosphere and, uh, and doing things I love. For me, like this is, just the biggest win because we know that by doing things we love, by doing things with a heart, we're actually impacting like uh, tens of thousands of people's life. Um, and, and for me, you know, like uh, I don't really care about like the, the money in itself, but I know that our ARR and the, like the revenue milestone actually like translate into how many people's life are we impacting um, and our community, the messages we receive daily of people, you know, who, either launch their business and find their first customers with Lemlist, or we basically like uh, grew their sales team and their businesses also with Lemlist. It's like, it's insane. And uh, all these uh, love messages we receive just uh, make me want to continue. It's like a huge fuel and a huge boost uh, to, uh, to keep going. And uh, well, the last question then is a hack. Is there a hack to, I don't know, to maybe keep going, keep grinding after five years. Well, obviously, you know, you, you, you feel fueled and you feel happy that it's successful, then, well, you know, become yeah. successful and then <laughs> everything is easier. That's yeah. the hack. But um, I don't know, maybe uh, a hack to yeah. being, well, at least now, a solo founder and again, making the, the tough decisions and navigating the team and everything. So what's your hack with Lamlist, Lampire? Yeah, my, my hack, to be honest, is just to do a lot of sports. Like if you can do sport, like do sports, uh, be like uh, conscious in, of your body of uh, no, no matter what you like to do, but try to exercise like daily. I think it's pretty yeah. basic, but uh, most people like don't do it uh, because they are like, uh, again, you know, like 
if you if you are listening to this podcast and you're like yeah but i worked so hard that i don't have time to work out then open your phone like if you're on an iphone go to like your phone settings and you're gonna go to like screen time and look at screen time and average screen time which will tell you like how much time you're spending on your phone each day and you will see that that number actually uh is probably too big and that you yeah. can't spend one hour exercising whether you just walk you run you go to the gym you do whatever you please but do it uh, i think it's just the the best way to have good sleep and with good sleep you are like uh, a lot better happier uh and you just live like a, a more like i i think it's like it's now it's becoming a hack but I think yeah. it's just like the most basic stuff on earth, you know, like, and, oh, and most people try to, to just, remember uh, that. yeah, you know, the yeah. Most basic stuff. <laughs> you were training for Ironman, right? How's that going? I haven't started yet, <laughs> but, uh, okay. yeah, and that's a wrap. No, I, I, um, it's the, the thing is like, I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to South Africa to do like a, a training camp. Uh, and if I like it, I will, uh, I will, I will train for uh, an Ironman, but, but I do like, uh, I do sports like quite a lot, okay. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be my, my new challenge for 2024. You just called me out like this. Yeah. It's, uh, Sorry. I wasn't ready for it. No, I, I'm sweating a bit, a bit too much pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a blog post in March. So, you know, I thought it's actively mm. going, Sorry, I caught you. <laughs> He's not doing it. It's his hand, but he's not doing it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, thank you for being honest. Thank you for yeah the transparency about um, everything you're doing in Lemlist. Uh, it's super interesting to to follow this journey, and hopefully, you know, next up, next big milestone, uh, we'll get to uh, hear about it on the podcast again. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Anna. I had a great time. Thank you, Guillaume, and take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders, and if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours. <laughs>